places. So I'm excited to uh, continue in our series. Last week, I talked a little bit about are you called? And following Jesus involves a calling or someone saying something to you, speaking to you, and Jesus says something, speaks to you, and calls you out. And the first steps of following Jesus are actually not your first steps. It's his first steps towards you. The whole idea of following Jesus is, is about me and what I can do is, is not actually what it's about. Following Jesus is really about hearing and listening to what he says to you and what he speaks to you. And so in the Bible, Jesus begins his ministry. And at the beginning of his ministry, he calls disciples to follow him. He says, follow me. He literally says that. He calls that out to them. And the disciples, they were fishermen. So they were on the boats and they were fishing um, for fish. And Jesus calls out to them, says, come, follow me. They hear him call. They hear him speak. And then they respond. But don't forget who calls you, who speaks to you first, who initiates the journey of your spiritual life. It's Jesus. He speaks to you. He calls you through his word and through his Holy Spirit. By coming here and hearing his word spoken, your soul rises within you and you hear him speak through his word, the Bible. And so he speaks to you, he calls you, he says, follow me. And so you have a choice to make. Will you follow him? Or will you not? The disciples have a choice to make. Will they give away their possessions? Will they give away their livelihood, their work, all that they had done? And will they go and follow Jesus? They have a decision to make, a choice to make. But don't forget who initiates it. I can't help but think about Kobe Bryant this week um, and just the sad news of him and his daughter losing their life in a helicopter not only him and his daughter, but seven other people lose their lives just going to a simple basketball game. They lose their lives in a helicopter crash. I wonder what it must have been like for those 35 seconds that they were falling when Kobe knew, when those adults knew that this was it, this was the end. For 35 seconds, they knew exactly what was going to happen to their life. And it was very clear that their lives were going to end. I don't know Kobe's spiritual life, um, but from what I know is, is that he did, he did have a faith in Jesus. But I don't know your spiritual life tonight. Do you have faith in Jesus? Have you heard him speak to you? Have you heard him call you? Have you heard the voice say, follow me? What would you feel in that helicopter for 35 seconds? Would you know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going home to my dad in heaven? I'm going home to my father who made me, my creator. Or would you be scared and wonder, oh, did I not do enough? I didn't try enough. I didn't try this. I didn't try that. I didn't make enough money. I didn't make enough um, make enough, uh, you know, success. I didn't gain enough fame. I didn't get enough followers. I, did, I wasn't popular enough. I, I, I failed. I fall short. What would be going through your mind for those 35 seconds? A lot of us in this room believe that Jesus has saved us. We really do. We really do believe this idea that we're sinners, that we have done things that we shouldn't have done, that we've made mistakes, and because of those mistakes, we are separated from God, 
separated from the life-giving source, the one who created us, we're separated and that relationship is broken. And then we look to Jesus to mend that and fix that. And, and that's true. A lot of us believe that he saves us by us confessing our sins. He promises to forgive us. We believe that. But do any of you guys in this room ever use Jesus this way? Like I have done, where I've thought to myself, in a moment of sin, in a moment where I'm about to do something that I shouldn't do, see something that I shouldn't see, act in a way that I shouldn't act, I go, it doesn't matter. Jesus forgives me anyways. I'll just do it. I'll just, I'll just do what I want. I'll just follow my heart, my desires. Have you ever thought like that? Has that ever gone through your mind? Like it's gone through mine. I want to warn those who think like that and a warning to myself that that kind of thinking is dangerous. Because that kind of thinking leaves into question. Leaves into question whether or not I really understand and get it, that Jesus really does save me and that he really is my Lord and Savior. You know, when we say Jesus saves us, yes, he saves us from our sins. But also Jesus is Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, it means that you submit your life to him. It means that you pledge allegiance to him. That you pledge your obedience to him. And here's the reason why we struggle with our doubts and question our faith. is because even though we know we're saved and even though we believe in Jesus, there are moments where we sin egregiously. We do terrible and horrible things. And then we wonder, am I really saved? Am I really loved? Do I really matter? And it's because your sin deceives you. Your sin lies to you. Your sin confirms in you that God doesn't love you. It tells you God doesn't care about you. It's the opposite of God's goal. It's the opposite of Jesus' goal. So when you use Jesus to sin, you're missing why he came. He came so that you don't sin so that you don't have to question your faith, so you don't have to wonder whether I'm saved or not. He came so that you could be set free from sin, not set free to sin. It's a difference. It's a difference. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. So do you believe that Jesus is your Savior, and do you believe that he is also your Lord over your life? that you follow him and obey him. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does he ask us to do? How does he act us to behave and to act? In Matthew 16, 24 through 26, he says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would hear my voice and hear my calling on their life, let him deny himself. This is Jesus. He says, let him, Jesus is saying, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is crazy. Forever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus says, in order to follow him, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Essentially what he's saying, you must embrace God's will no matter the cost. Jesus makes it clear that the cost of following him is you losing your life. But in doing so, you gain eternal life. 
Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Paul, who's a follower of Jesus, wrote in the New Testament in Philippians 1, 21 through 23, he says this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is, though, to depart, to die, and be with Christ, for that is far better than life. What would you think in those 35 seconds falling from that helicopter? Would you be like, hallelujah, yes, here we go. I'm going home. I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to be home. I'm going to be resurrected. Will you feel that feeling? Would you almost be like, I'm about to see my king face to face, my Lord face to face, be in his presence face to face. How would you feel in those 35 seconds for Paul to die is gain? And if he's going to be living on earth, he's going to live it in submission and obedience to Christ, to Jesus. A follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, devotes his life to the will of God, even to the finality of death, and in doing so, he gains eternal life. Such a small time on earth to suffer in comparison to eternity. Your suffering matters. But I have a feeling that when we all die and we experience our suffering, we'll look around and go, that was nothing at all in comparison to eternity. Following Jesus is costly and it is worth it. Many people choose to take the easy way, though, and I don't blame them. I'm tempted every day to do this as well, and sometimes I do take the easy way. Actually, daily, I choose to take comfort. I choose to follow my pleasure, to follow my heart. I choose to follow what the world tells me to follow. I seek the next high, the next buzz, the next thrill. But so often, you and I discover as we live our lives following these things, our own desires, that there's no life in this endeavor. We actually find ourselves more hungry, more thirsty, more needy. It's easy to follow our own hearts because that is what we want, we desire. But a Jesus follower follows God's heart. A Jesus follower has a heart changed by God. A Jesus follower, when they follow the deceit of their own heart, feels guilt. Says, man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. A Jesus follower doesn't have to defend themselves because Jesus defends them. A Jesus follower doesn't have to always be right and can make mistakes. But a Jesus follower always repents, always turns away from his sin, and always turns back to his Father. A Jesus follower realizes, oh no, I'm in big, big trouble. I need to go tell my dad. But oftentimes, you and I, when we get in big, big trouble, we go, oh no, I can't tell dad. I need to hide. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus calls you to come to your dad in your sin, in your brokenness. He calls you to repent and to turn to him every single time, to obey and to continue following, to fight and to struggle and to grind against the dark of the night. My question to you is, do you want to live? Do you want to have true and real eternal life? Do you want to follow Jesus? Like, if you're sitting here, like, I'm just going to ask you straightforward. Do you want to follow Jesus? Like, is this a desire of your heart? 
Because that answer to that question will be very telling of whether or not your heart has been changed. So self-examine yourself and ask yourself that. And if you do, know that the way is narrow and that the way is hard, but it is worth it and it leads to life. Know that very few walk on it, live it, go through it. The best way to know how to follow Jesus is to actually listen to what he says. In his word, in Matthew 5 through 7, he gives a sermon and he lays out this lifestyle, this way of living life and what it should look like. But I want you to know before he even dives into like how then shall we live if we are saved by God, I want you to know the first thing he starts off saying to you and to me is he tells us who we are. He, and he doesn't tell us who we are by the way we live, but by what he's called us to be, named over us. I didn't get to pick my own name. My parents gave it to me. I am Michael because they gave me that name. They named me. Jesus names us. And he calls us and names us blessed. He calls us light and he calls us salt. What does he mean by that? You are blessed because you have him. You are blessed because you have the greatest thing on the planet. You are blessed because you can have hope even in death. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be concerned. You are blessed. You have Jesus. No matter what happens to you in your life, no matter how terrible or how hard, in the end, it will be okay for you. That's a blessed life. We have friends, maybe even in this room and out there that don't have that, but you do. That's named over you. Also what's named over you is salt. Salt is a seasoning. It adds flavor. It actually enhances the taste of things. It preserves things. And Jesus says you are salt to the earth. You, those who hear him, who are called by him, follow him. You are salt to the earth. You make things better. Because you're in your classroom, you make that classroom better. Because you're on that sports team, you make that sports team better. Because you are in this community, you make this community better. You add flavor, you add seasoning, you add hope. You bless. You are blessed, and so you bless. You are like salt to the earth. You make the earth better. And then you're a light to the world. You live in a dark world on a dark planet that doesn't have much hope, that is seeking and seeking and seeking, trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment, and they're so hungry, and you are full, and you get to look different and live a life different because you do not need the things of this world, because you have everything in Jesus. And that is a light to the world. People will ask themselves, what is different? How is that person so different? How is Nehemiah so different? How is Matthew so different? How is um, Allison so different? How is Maddie so different? How? What, is, what do they have that I don't have? People will be so attracted to you and your life. They will say things to you and be just amazed because what they see in you is Jesus. They see a hope. They see a future. And see, this is how Jesus begins it. He says, first, first, before we even talk about following me, this is what I think about you. This is who you are. This is who I've called you, named over you. And then Jesus goes through like a law, a way to live. 
Now, I want you to compare your life to this, okay? Just think about your life and think about these lists that I'm about to go through that Jesus talks about. Jesus calls his followers to forgive and to restore relationships. Do you have broken relationships? Do you have people who you have not forgiven? Do you have grudges? Do you? Jesus calls his followers to have pure hearts, to be pure, to seek purity, to not pervert. He calls them to not pervert, to not twist, to not to distort, to keep things in order. Do you feel unclean today? Do you feel dirty? Do you feel like if people saw you, they would never love you? They would be grossed out or they would say yuck. They would say that you're nasty. You're a monster. Jesus calls his followers to be committed. Have you ever said you'd do something but then didn't do it? Have you ever made a promise and never followed through on it? Jesus calls his followers not only to love neighbors and family and friends, which is very hard for us anyways, but then he says, love your enemies. Do you have enemies? Do you have foes? Jesus calls his followers to give to the needy, not for personal glory. See, we like to give to the needy. We like to help those who don't have what we have because it makes us feel better. It brings glory to us. We also love to take pictures of it. We love to post about it. We love to talk about it. It's some of the first things we tell people. Oh, like I do this and this for people. But if there were no cameras and there were no pictures, if you didn't, couldn't take one, would you have done it? Would you have really cared about that needy person? I oftentimes, when I drive on the road and I see someone um, who's homeless asking for money on the side of the road, if it's just me by myself in the car, I'm not giving any money to them. But all of a sudden, when there's a friend in the car or someone else, I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to give like a few dollars. You're like, I just want to do it because I want them to think I'm a nice guy. But that's not. Jesus says, no, no, my friend. Give to the needy. Love them because I love them. And Jesus calls his followers to pray and to talk to God to fast, to disconnect from the world, to say, you know what, I'm going to pull away from these things in the world. I'm going to fast from these things. I'm going to withdraw from the world so that I can hear God better. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to bring to him my needs. I'm actually going to look to God and say, God, I need 10 bucks today. I don't have 10 bucks. I'm not going to be able to eat lunch today if I don't have 10 bucks. Will you provide to me someone who will provide food? I remember I would do this, actually. I did this one time. I went to Chick-fil-A and, um, just a funny story. This is totally random. It just came to me. But I went to Chick-fil-A. I had no money. I sat down. And I was like licking a honey roasted barbecue sauce, you know, that packet. You, you open. So I got those for free. I sat down and I just like, it was like, I was like, man, this is, this is, this is the stuff right here. And then in my head, I was like, man, Father, I would really, it would be really cool if someone just bought me a meal. I don't know if they saw me just eating honey roasted barbecue sauce, but someone bought me a meal. No joke. I didn't even ask anyone. So I was like, here's, you know, a food, some food for you. I was like, oh, man, that's, that's what's up. I'm telling you, I'm just saying, ask the Lord. He provides for you. Um, and he does. He calls his followers to ask Jesus. I don't do that all the time. I take it into my own hands. I look to the world to fill my needs. Um, Jesus calls his followers to invest in heaven, not on earth. Your treasure is in heaven, not on earth. You see, what did Kobe take with him to heaven? None of that. I mean, Kobe has it all. He, doesn't, he didn't take any of it. So whether you have nothing or you have it all, don't invest in earth on this planet. Invest in heaven. Serve God. Don't serve the world. Jesus calls his followers to not be anxious. Wow. 
nailed. I don't do that. I'm always anxious a lot of times. Jesus calls his followers to not judge. Okay, another check, Mark. I suck at that. I judge people. Jesus calls his followers to listen to God's word, to know it, read it, and believe it. Believe it or not, I have a really hard time reading the Bible. If you guys want to know something about me, it's not my favorite thing to do. I don't wake up and go, man, I can't wait to read this chapter in the book of um, Habakkuk. Like, I'm, nope, not there. That's not me. Jesus calls his followers to do to others as you would want them to do to you. I do to people what I can, like, take advantage of, like, half the time. Jesus calls his followers to follow him. Some of us in this room, we hear this list. I think some of us, I don't know if many of us, but some of us think, oh, this is something I can do. I can accomplish. If that's you, then I want to warn you that maybe you're missing the, missing the point. I want to warn you that you may be someone who really is okay with Jesus being your king and Lord. Like, you get it, and you understand it. You submit your life to him. But do you know that Jesus saves you first? You've got to understand that Jesus saves you. Don't treat this as a checklist. You've got to start with Jesus saving you. Understand that you're needy. You're broken. You have problems. Jesus came for you. Jesus saved you. The beginning of following Jesus is at the cross where he paid the price for you. There's a story of a rich young man in, in the Bible. He goes to Jesus and he says, I've done all these things. And Jesus tests him and says, have you done this, this, and this? He's like, yeah, yeah, I've done it all. He's like, okay, that's pretty good, man. Like, that's better than a lot of people I've ever done on earth. And then he goes, okay, cool. You can follow me. Come follow me. But first go sell all your possessions and then come back and follow me. And this rich young man, he walks away sad because that's one thing he will not do. He will let Jesus be king over all of his life but this one area. This one spot. He won't sell all of his possessions. So he missed it. He didn't realize that he needed Jesus more than his money. You need Jesus more than anything in the world. Go to the cross and follow him. Now, there's some of us in this room who hear this list and we're like, oh my gosh, and this is me too. This is actually me tonight. I could never do this. I am going to fail over and over again. And therefore, if I cannot figure this out, there is no hope for me. And I want to encourage you tonight. Your ability to follow this list, to follow this word that God has spoken, has no determination over whether you are saved or not saved. You are solely saved by the work of Jesus because he actually followed this list. He completed it to the full. You are saved in him. Just like you were born cursed into the world in sin because of Adam in the garden, you can be saved in Christ from your sin because Christ Jesus never sinned. Because one man sinned, the whole world was cursed. But because one man didn't sin, the whole world is saved. You can be saved in that one man. So you got to look to Jesus once again. Go to the cross. Do you see it? Do you get it? The life of following Jesus is a life at the cross. It's a life with arms stretched out, with holes in your hands and holes in your feet. It's a life of suffering. It's a life of great pain. But it is worth it. It is worth every second that you live for Jesus. You see, it's, you know, following Jesus is, uh, you're following a guy who goes to the cross and you're following a guy who dies. 
and then you follow a guy who goes to the grave, and then you're following, though, a guy who goes home to his father. You are called to go to the cross, you are called to go to the grave, and you are called to go home to your father. This is the way, the truth, and the life. It's through Jesus. Begin at the cross. Every single day, wake up and confess to Jesus. Repent to Jesus. I have sinned and I have been wrong. Just by opening my eyes today, I'm sure I thought or did something in my head that was wrong and sinful. I'm so sorry, Lord, for this thought. I'm so sorry for what I have done. Will you forgive me? Then receive his forgiveness and keep following him. The next day you wake up, do the same exact thing. The next day after the next day, wake up, do the same exact thing. One month from now, do the same thing. One year from now, do the same thing. 80 years from now, on your death day, do the same thing. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I confess. By doing this, this is the gospel. This is the good news. By living in this way, your heart will be transformed. And you will find day by day, your heart will long for the things that God longs for. Your heart will become a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Your heart will come to life instead of being dead. So follow him. He is the way. Let's pray.